I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. For a limited time only, everyone who comes by the ranch gets a copy of my own children's book, Clifford the Big Red Wave. It's Hanoon for Monday, April 26, 2021. Follow the podcast on the Telegram Messenger app at t.me slash I'm your moderator or join the discussion thread at t.me slash I'm reasonable. You can also find me on the Frank Speech app eventually at Chris Paul and I'm still on Gab at I'm your moderator. The merch site is www.cancelcotour.com. Today is the 96th full day of Barack Obama's third term as served by the half-dead, demented, degenerate, ventriloquist dummy, fake proxy president, Joe Biden, who was overwhelmingly compromised by the Chinese Communist Party. The patriarch of one of the most corrupt families in American history and the father of one of the most despicable sons to ever walk the earth. And that, of course, is Hunter Biden. So congratulations, communists. You have such a cultural foothold that the pinnacle of all your communist cultural events has now reached an all-time low. Before we get into that, a warm Monday high noon welcome to every redeemable communist who may have been spun around ten times in the yard by their friend and then inadvertently stumbled the wrong direction into a room where my podcast was playing. I hope that you sit down until your dizziness subsides. And by that time, I may have turned you back into an American. So welcome. You're going to receive copious amounts of ridicule and derision, but it's not personal. It's only because you deserve it so, so much by holding such stupid and evil ideas in your head all the time and then punishing people out in the world with that sort of insanity. So I was at the gym yesterday and I was, uh, you know, like between sets or whatever, between exercises, you're just checking your phone, seeing what's going on. That's just part of my routine because obviously I spend every morning trying to download as much information into my skull as possible and I shit you not as someone who was in the Hollywood celebrity social scene for 18 and a half years this is the first time that I had absolutely no idea when the Oscars were I found out yesterday in the morning at the gym and I was like oh thank goodness I found out Now I can watch them. I'm just kidding. I didn't watch them at all. And neither did anybody else, which is amazing. They spent the run-up in the week prior preparing everyone to know that these would be the lowest-rated Oscars of all time. Last year's was very bad already, but they still had 23.6 million viewers, apparently. Maybe that's because at that point, People still cared about movies. They thought this year it would drop to somewhere between 12 and 15 million viewers. And it turned out to be way lower than that. It's actually lower than 10 million viewers. And this is just another one of those indicators about how far removed the central narrative popular culture is from what Americans actually think. This is just another one of those indicators that there is no way in the world that 81 million people 
went out and voted for Joe Biden. I mean, the Oscars have basically just become a yearly communism festival, like uh, Kamichella, where the most superficial, egomaniacal, and idiotic people in the world try to tell Americans how they're supposed to act and think and vote. And we know whether or not we should listen to them based on whether or not they are given a little statue for pretending to be somebody else and whether or not they have the best outfit on. (laughs) That's how you know their political opinions are great. We went from last year Joaquin Phoenix telling us at some awards show that no one should ever eat meat again, I guess, or something. I don't really remember. But now we have Joe Biden for that. And Joe Biden just said the other day that we're basically only allowed to have one hamburger per month or else the world is going to end from climate change. (laughs) I cannot believe that there are adults in this country who listen to this and believe this. It's honestly so, so crazy. I mean... Everything these people do and everything these people have said for five years, certainly for five years, ever since Donald Trump entered politics, every single thing these people have done has been 100 percent wrong and provably so, by the way. But obviously it was going on way before that. But isn't this last year or so enough? I mean, they lie about a disease A pandemic disease that is destroying people's lives. Well, the response is destroying people's lives. The disease actually destroys almost no one's life. The lies about the disease, the misinformation about the disease, where the disease came from, how deadly it is, how to stop the disease. The idea that masks work when we know they don't. The idea that lockdowns work when they when we know they don't. The idea that all of this just happened and wasn't part of any larger orchestrated plan by the same people who tell you what the plan is and write the plan down. And then when it happens, they say, oh, you're a conspiracy theorist. If you believe we planned this, it's like, wait a second, you showed me your plan. And they're lucky to be trying to pull this off in this time. And of course, these things are related, but. I can't imagine a time in American history where the country would have otherwise been weak enough to fall for all of this. We are so obsessed with material wealth. We are so obsessed with looking like we're famous on Instagram that there is actually a sizable portion of Americans usually female, millennial, and communist who are obsessed with these shows and they'll see these people who they idolize and they want to be like and they'll mimic their behaviors. They'll wear masks. Oh, look, everybody's wearing masks. At the beginning of the Oscar show, I saw somebody posted this on Telegram, but they had some epidemiologist from UCLA come on and talk about how the crew of people involved in setting up all the COVID regulations and restrictions and the COVID safety program for the Oscars was bigger than the cast and crew of a major movie. Like, really? And you're bragging about that. Because, you see, I could have hired one person myself to run that job and been like, hey, guys, there's actually uh, nothing to worry about. So just have the show. Nothing's going to happen. That's been proven countless times because we've been having big events all over the place for a considerably long time now, and nothing's happened. And how do we know nothing's happened? Well, we use our eyes. We use our ears. We use our brains. Can you tell me one thing that's happened? Tell me about a super spreader event, Kami. Which very dangerous event do you know of that you said was surely going to be a super spreader event that actually turned into one. Oh, 
They're all outdoors, like the the sports. The Super Bowl was outdoors. The baseball games are outdoors. That's what happened. It's just because it's outdoors. Well, how about this? Trump had rallies indoors. I was at one in Henderson, Nevada that had, I think, five to 7,000 people all inside. And it was actually warm in there, too, because it was like, I don't know, 120 degrees that day in Vegas. And it was in a uh, a factory, I believe. And they don't have 7,000 people inside there creating and generating body heat for hours on end. So... It wasn't cool. There wasn't a lot of ventilation and it was totally enclosed. And yet no one got COVID. Isn't that amazing? And that happened all the way back in what? September? Maybe it was October. I think it was September though. So here we are eight months later, seven months later, whatever it is, you do the math. And there's no super spreader event from that. Trump had rallies all over the country. Tens of thousands of people, 50,000 people at some of the rallies. No super spreaders, Super Bowl, no super spreader. But at the Oscars, that's not really what it's for. It's not for reality and thinking. It's propaganda. This is like the Super Bowl of propaganda every year. Actors who can't be bothered to do anything but tweet coming out and saying that they'd be joining with the marchers. Oh, really, Regina King? If you didn't get the answer that you wanted about George Floyd, you'd be out there in the streets. Oh, so bold. What a bold, bold statement. I, for real, did not see a single nominated Oscar film, and I don't know how that happened. I used to make it a point to see all of them, you know, because of its cultural relevance, and I really wanted to know in those discussions what the substance of all these films was. Now, they've been awarding really bad or really average, I should say, films over the last 10 years. I mean, the the Fishman film, that was not good. That's not a best picture by any means. Moonlight, give me a break. Uh, Parasite last year was actually awesome. And if you haven't seen that, definitely see it. And if you want... An even better Korean film. Check out The Handmaiden. And no, not The Handmaid's Tale. The Handmaiden. It's almost always on Amazon Prime, but I don't have Amazon Prime anymore. If you still do, I mean, cancel it, obviously. But watch Handmaiden first and then cancel it. But I have legitimately no clue about any of these movies. Because as soon as I see what's nominated, I'm like, oh, I guess I shouldn't watch any of that because it's just politics now. They changed the Academy over to people who would be more inclined to vote for the social justice movies. They expanded the categories, thereby lowering the standards. And this is what we have. No one cares. And people on the left will defend it saying that broadcast television just isn't watched by anyone anymore. And that's why no one watches the Oscars. I mean, that is so obviously untrue. It's almost comical that they even propose it. And then people on the right, like the the National Review Daily Wire dork right, right? Like the people who are just total rhinos thinking somehow that they speak for real America. They all want to see Marvel movies nominated. They're like, well, no one goes to see these films. Like, hey, man, that's not the problem. The problem is that all that exists are stupid Marvel movies and very bad social justice movies. That's why they're not culturally relevant. Neither of those have any lasting value. That's the problem. But ultimately, the best acting of the weekend goes to Kamala Harris, who had herself filmed walking up one of those mobile staircases that 
they use to enter airplanes. She had herself filmed walking up one of those on an airstrip without the airplane there. For real. She did the salutes and all of it. You can watch her walk up. There's no airplane. It is... I have, you know, we talked about the disappearing um, Joe Biden, Mike, a couple weeks ago, and there's video of an Obama, Clinton, George W. Bush, like little video powwow where Obama straight up disappears. There's a lot of very, very strange stuff going on in the computer generated imaging world. But honestly, what do they think they're doing? She's walking up a staircase to nowhere. And people are just out there saluting. Everyone's playing along. I really do look forward to when this entire mystery unravels because it is going to be very entertaining. (laughs) But maybe Kamala Harris is just like Wonder Woman and... Her plane is invisible. And maybe she's already taken her invisible plane down to the border to deliver her children's books herself to the children who are coming across the border. They're getting, no kidding, they're getting welcome kits with Kamala Harris's children's book called Superheroes Are Everywhere. That's how our country is greeting Brand new children that are just simply not supposed to be here. But of course, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris don't really care about the humanitarian crisis that they have created, not only for the border and for Americans, especially Hispanic Americans by the border, but for all of the children they are letting in here. And there were actually some videos last week. I could find it. I think it's on the information stream, but they have these lines of hundreds and sometimes thousands of pregnant women from south of the border. These are all illegal immigrants, pregnant, just in lines, getting filtered onto buses so that they can be transported throughout the country. We are literally importing pregnant foreigners so that they can have their babies on American soil and then those babies would be citizens. And then, of course... We grant the mother citizenship because you can't separate the child from the parent. That's the whole thing, right? Remember, it's all about not being cruel. And you understand that the most humanitarian thing in the world is to target pregnant mothers in foreign countries and then have them illegally trek here so that then we can repopulate America with foreigners and listen i have no problem with foreigners my girlfriend's a foreigner but she also happened to come immigrate here legally and has a green card and to deal with accusations that like my point of view isn't the compassionate one is crazy we're talking about a political movement so desperate to maintain their illegitimate power that they are trying to import voters from other countries who are already pregnant so that they can just get a two-for-one deal. They're making these women in late stages of pregnancy travel up to the border in the hands of the cartels. So don't tell me that my view is the one that's not compassionate. What Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are doing intentionally lacks compassion. In fact, it's a crime against humanity, and they know it. And pretty much everybody knows it. Why we even have to speak in such careful terms about this stuff is beyond me. And the fact that Kamala Harris is giving these books out, did she just donate them? No. American taxpayers are paying for Kamala Harris's book. We're all collectively buying her children's book. And of course, we know what book deals for politicians are, don't we? Well, that's money laundering. 
So Kamala Harris takes her payoff in 2019 to put out this book. And by the way, if anyone believes that Kamala Harris can write a children's book, you're probably the sort of person who believes Joe Biden can receive 81 million votes. So, I mean, pointless argument, I suppose. Kamala Harris cackles laughing while talking about 2 million women being jobless. This really happened on Saturday. That is not a woman with a sense of humor. That is a woman who is feigning human emotion and human expression to connect with people. She doesn't understand how absurd and awful she looks. So there's no way that she's writing a children's book. She doesn't have that sort of sweetness or cuteness or humor that would be required to fulfill that artistic project. So, of course, someone else does it. They publish it. Kamala gets her payoff. And again, this is nothing I'm making up. Politico reported on this in 2019. Here's an article from May 16th, 2019. Maggie Severns and Christopher Catalago. 2020 candidates rake in book royalties. The latest example is Kamala Harris, whose political memoir, The Truths We Hold, came with a significant paycheck, a $446,875 advance for the book and an additional $49,900 for a young reader's edition, according to new financial information disclosed by Harris this week. Harris also received $60,000 for her children's book, Superheroes Are Everywhere. The payments are higher than previously known. Harris had reported netting about $320,000 for the books in the latest tax return her presidential campaign released in April. But the new financial disclosures include money earned in 2019. So there you go. Kamala Harris, someone who has taken multiple payoffs to have someone else write books that then no one buys or reads. And now the U.S. government is purchasing those books with American taxpayer money so that she can distribute them to kids at the border. But let's find out a little bit more about this wonderful book, Superheroes Are Everywhere. You see, Kamala wrote this book so that she could show little girls that all they needed was to understand that they could be superheroes. (laughs) For real, actually. Here's the description on Amazon. From Vice President Kamala Harris comes a picture book with an empowering message. Superheroes are all around us, and if we try, we can all be heroes too. Now, a number one New York Times bestseller because you know how kids buy political books. Before Kamala Harris was elected to the vice presidency, she was a little girl who loved superheroes. And when she looked around, she was amazed to find them everywhere. In her family, among her friends, even down the street, there were superheroes wherever she looked, except for those bastard cops. And then those superheroes showed her that all you need to do to be a superhero is to be the best that you can be and also only eat one burger a month. In this empowering and joyful picture book that speaks directly to kids, Kamala Harris takes readers through her life and shows them that the power to make the world a better place is inside all of us. Yes, particularly inside the mouth or somewhere else. Hope the kids aren't listening. I wonder if Willie Brown wrote that sentence for this review. And with fun and engaging art by Michelle Renee Rowe, as well as a guide to being a superhero at the end, this book is sure to have kids taking up the superhero mantle, cape and mask optional. Well, mask is not optional, commie kids. You have to wear it because your parents are communists. Could you imagine going into a bookstore and thinking, you know what? I would like to propagandize my child. Can you let me see what Kamala has been writing? 
Now, if you want to have a look, just go on Amazon because some of the illustrations are here and it basically makes it look like every single child is some version of Timmy from South Park. Their mouths are not in the right place on their faces. And also there are no boys. (laughs) They're all mixed ethnicity girls or at best non-binary. In fact, this one little non-binary superhero has a t-shirt that says vote and a clipboard in your hand. This is like straight up communist propaganda for children. It's pretty incredible. And one of the reviewers here actually posted a review with an image of the book. So now we get to see one of the pages and I guess this is supposed to be Kamala with her grandparents. She's introducing herself and how wonderful she is. And so it says across the top with on this big ribbon, heroes stand up for what's right. Oh, that's bold. My grandmother was one of the smartest people I've ever met. And she used her smarts and her voice to speak out for women who were being hurt and to teach them how to stay healthy. Huh? What? (laughs) The vice president of the United States wrote that. I mean, the fake vice president, obviously the next page, my grandfather used his voice to make India a free country. All of my grandparents in India and in Jamaica were superheroes for standing up for what's right. Who stands up for what's right in your life? She should have made it multiple choice so that she could put in like George Floyd, Hillary Clinton, John Podesta, George Soros, and Eric Coomer, who splits time between Antifa and Dominion Voting Systems. That would have been awesome. And then they could have one more option, just all of the above. All of them are standing up for what's right. And, you know, it's kind of funny that Kamala mentions her grandparents in both India and Jamaica because her grandparents in Jamaica were descended from slave owners. So just exactly how many generations were they standing up for what's right, Kamala? But that's not all the Kamala Harris-related book joy for the children out there. Because, of course, Kamala's, I think, niece, Mina Harris, has published children's books about Kamala as well. And those, you can be sure, are not payoffs. It really is amazing that they can just keep repackaging the same communist notions over and over and over again. And now they're putting them in children's books. And these books are specifically propelled by the politicians. They are all blurbed on the back by the politicians and by actresses. And then these are shoved into our kids' faces. I mean, this is straight up propaganda. All right. So one of Mina Harris's books is called Kamala and Maya's Big Idea, which doesn't sound exploitative at all. And then she has another one called Ambitious Girl, right? Same commie feminist ideas, repackaged again. And who reviews it? Well, Mindy Kaling, Kristen Bell, America Ferreira, Padma Lakshmi, Issa Rae, and Hillary Rodham Clinton. Gosh, what a special book this might be. I know a thing or two about being called ambitious as an insult, says Hillary. But ambitious girls fight for change. Ambitious girls lift up their communities. Ambitious girls run for president. Ambitious girls can do anything. This celebration of girls' ambition is timely, inspiring, and much needed. Always going right along with the notion that the best way to empower people is to tell them that they've been empowered. Like, 
Look at how gray your life is. Little immigrant girl who just crossed the border and who knows what happened to her before that. Now you can read Kamala Harris tell you about how you can be a hero too. And once she's empowered you, well, that's probably about your level of contact with her or with anyone who's actually going to help you. But it's important to know that as long as you repeat the slogans and hate the right people, you're going to be empowered for life just by reading this. And now, stranger still, and I'm going to get off this subject right after that. But last year, Dr. Jill Biden also published a children's book called Joey, the story of Joe Biden. And of course, Jill Biden did not write it. And there's a ghostwriter and an illustrator. So really, Jill Biden just accepted the contract and probably spent about a half an hour on the phone with an author telling them a story or two about Joe Biden. We are just straight up paying off politicians to propagandize the country's children. So Kamala Harris's publisher is a penguin imprint called Philomel. And Dr. Jill's children's book is published by none other than traditional political payoff factory, Simon & Schuster. Now let's see how Jen Psaki handles this news. Last couple days in the New York Post that every migrant child being brought to a shelter is being given a copy of her children's book, Superheroes Are Everywhere. Do you know why that is and if she's making any money off of that? Of the president, of the vice, the vice president's book, yeah. I'd have to check with our uh, health and human services team. If uh, You're talking about if they go to shelters or if they go to... Yeah, in the welcome kit, apparently, there's a copy of her 2019 children's book, Superheroes Are Everywhere. I'd have to certainly check on that. Okay. Here, it's a good book. And then, and then so you're just going to kind of take a pass on answering that one completely, the whole thing about the money, about whether or not Kamala is making money from that book? Maybe a better approach would be to ask, what arrangements has fake Vice President Harris made to ensure that she's not personally profiting off the American taxpayers when they are forced against their will to pay for copies of her book to then be given to children who should not even be here, but were sadly abandoned by their families and put into the hands of cartels. And speaking of pathetic communist icons, let's talk about the biggest LeBrami of them all, LeBron himself, LeBron James. Yeah, LeBron! A bar in Cincinnati. A bar owner has said that he will not show another NBA game at his bar until LeBron James is expelled from the league. I absolutely love this. More places need to do stuff exactly like this. You basically just make a stand and then let other people react. And if they react badly, you just say bye-bye because being an American is more important than taking money from communists. Again, that's how we get so far down the road toward actually adopting the dumbest and most evil political philosophy of all time as our guiding principle. Everybody just constantly, constantly makes concessions. Oh, well, you know... I really don't like what LeBron James did, but if I don't show the NBA here, maybe no one will come back. All right. Well, then you got a bad business, man. What you're really doing is selling somebody else's product. Make your food better. Make your drinks better. Figure out a different way of entertaining people. That's how to be an American. Now, I thought I was going to have a chance to talk about this on Friday, but I kind of just went on about the uh, the commies and whatnot. 
And I feel like that episode speaks for itself and is fine. And it's not like this was particularly timely because Rachel Maddow is going to continue melting down over the days and weeks to come. And this will just be the beginning in a long series of hilarious Maddow meltdowns. I will tell you, um, this Arizona story, like I said, I did not expect to be seeing it, uh, to be covering it again um, tonight after we covered it last night. Well, that's a lie. If Rachel Maddow did not expect to be covering this story anymore, then she is very bad at her job. This is a historic action. 2.1 million physical ballots will be reviewed and audited, and the process of the election will be audited. Maricopa County will be canvassed. This is an extremely thorough review of what happened in the Maricopa County election. Apparently, Rachel Maddow was given some sort of word that Perkins Coie would just be able to get down there and handle it. So the situation would be over before it started. But now they're three days into the review process. And it's not stopped yet. Although they are trying, and I'm going to get to that in a second. It is obviously strange. It's laughable in lots of ways. But uh, the president, former President Trump, um, put out a statement today lauding this and talking about how this was going to reveal the truth of the 2020 election and citing a whole bunch of other states that are also going to now do this to reveal the truth of the 2020 election. Yes, that's exactly right. The audit will reveal the truth of the 2020 election. That's what Rachel Maddow is worried about. I cannot believe that she thinks the best strategy is to pretend that they're going to generate fake results and that no one will ever care. It's just that we all want to carry on our conspiracy theorizing forever because we never want to deal with the fact that Trump actually lost. That is the best she's got. These people are down to their final out. She's hoping that Perkins Coie can just stop the whole thing. And then she can just avoid it. So she'll pretend it's illegitimate and just hope it stops. It's like the hiding under your bed strategy for the monster in the room. And he's still maintaining this fantasy that he somehow won and that Joe Biden isn't really the president anymore. He's not the legitimate president. It is a disgrace to the country that people talk this way on television and are given credit for it. It is sad that this is an acceptable way to treat the public, to treat her own audience. Rachel Maddow knows better. And if she doesn't, then she shouldn't have her job. She must know that none of the courts viewed actual evidence and the ones that did sided with the Trump campaign. She must know that there are still court cases that are open. She must know that actually Trump did win a bunch of these election cases just because she didn't cover them and the commies don't know about them doesn't mean that didn't happen. And yes, this audit will reveal massive fraud and the election will be overturned because they're going to audit other states too. And then the entire system is exposed. What the Arizona Republicans are doing here, this process by which they are bastardizing the actual secure election from November 2020, and they're going to produce some result that says that it was some other fraudulent thing, will be used by the Trump part of the Republican Party and the Trump right uh, to cast doubt on the 2020 election among their most fervent supporters in a way that none of their failed lawsuits in the past have been able to do. They got the actual ballots and they handed them to conspiracy theorists who say that, you know, QAnon is the mastermind or whatever it is. Actually, the ballots have been under strict lock and key. They were properly moved and they're being handled by auditors. There are ceiling cameras ab above every single part of the audit room and it is a live feed for 24 hours a day. There are thousands of people watching those feeds, looking out for anything wrong. This is the safest review of voting that has ever taken place. Their hand recounts that they did after the election, that's not an audit. And they don't properly review it. 
They take samples and they review those samples. Those hand recounts are set up specifically to hide the fraud. That's why all these same people are totally comfortable with that. And then they get upset when there's a real team brought in to figure out what's going on. And even in those recounts around the country, we saw malfeasance in cheating on video. And they just simply deny it and move on because they believe that no one can ever catch them. And if they do, that nothing can be done about it. They're going to be wrong. And by the way, Rachel, it's not QAnon or whatever. If you know the belief and the theory and the information, then report that. But instead, she's lying to her audience. She's making it seem like something that is not happening is actually the entire point. And then she doesn't have to explain it at all because she can just use the buzzword QAnon and convince every one of her dumb little commies who watch her thinking now they're smart. They'll just go along with it because that means absolutely anything to them. Uh, that stopped this, the, that they need to use to stop the steal and all. I mean, the craziest parts of the pro-Trump conspiracy theory world Right. It's only the crazies. Unfortunately for Rachel Maddow, the number of people in this country who hold that same crazy belief has crossed well over 50 percent. So she's basically talking about everyone except her craziest fans have the actual ballots and are going to declare that something different happened in election in the election in Arizona than what really happened. Uh, no, they're going to show conclusively beyond a shadow of a doubt that that's what happened and the courts will accept it and the country will accept it because that is what happened. And that will become a lie that they try to live on and build on, um, for a long time to come. You watch, this is a ridiculous story that will become very dangerous in the long run. Oh yes. It's. It's very dangerous. It's going gonna, it's gonna to make a whole new January 6th happen where Democrats are so scared of being exposed that they have to actually create violent false flags to distract everyone. That kind of danger. You know, the kind of danger where Democrats will go and, let's say, kill Seth Rich or kill Brian Kemp's daughter's boyfriend so that Brian Kemp won't allow the forensic audit in Georgia. That kind of danger, the kind that Rachel Maddow supports, because when that kind of danger happens, her political motivations are advanced. Isn't that interesting? Now, mentioning Perkins Coie, they are down there trying to get this audit stopped completely. And I don't know who knows if they're going to be able to or not. So far, it doesn't seem like it. But yesterday the judge who was presiding over the Democrats contest where they refused to give up a million dollar bond on Friday to have the audit paused had to recuse himself. And so now another judge has taken over and his name is Daniel Martin and Dan Martin was, this is from his own bio on the, SuperiorCourt.maricopa.gov. Dan Martin was appointed to the bench in 2007 and is currently assigned to the civil division. Judge Martin received his master's and law degrees from the University of Arizona and served as the managing editor of the Arizona Law Review. Following his graduation, Judge Martin clerked for Justice James Muller on the Arizona Supreme Court. In 1992, Judge Martin joined Brown and Bain, now Perkins Coie, as an associate. So that's good, right? The last judge, Christopher Curry, had to recuse himself because he found out that someone who interned for him a while back was involved with the audit. So he recused, no doubt, under pressure or payoff of Perkins Coie. And now we have this guy in here. So we'll see how this goes. Apparently, the Democrats and Republicans are going to continue responding to one another about why the audit should continue. The Democrats are down there trying to disrupt a legitimate process put in place by the Arizona State Senate. Rachel Maddow can call these people conspiracy theorists as much as she wants. She is the conspiracy theorist. 
It is a conspiracy theory that Joe Biden won 81 million votes, most of them simply appearing in the middle of the night with no explanation whatsoever. It is a conspiracy theory that all the video evidence of legitimate fraud is just simply fake or irrelevant. It's a conspiracy theory that judges around the country threw Trump's court cases out because they were baseless and lacked evidence. All of those things are false, but they say them and say them and say them and say them, hoping that they'll become true. But they won't. Now, what happened with the pause the other day, this is the way I understand it. The judge basically ordered the Democrats to put up a million dollar bond. But if they weren't able to prove their case and the audit was decided that it would continue, then they would lose that million dollars. It's kind of like when you throw a challenge flag in the NFL. You know, the coach doesn't like the result of a play. They think the, they think the officials got it wrong. They throw the challenge flag out there. The officials go back for an instant replay review. And if they decide against the coach who made the challenge, that coach's team loses a timeout, right? So there's a penalty for challenging the legitimate system if you turn out to be wrong. Same thing here. Democrats decided they wouldn't do that. So they didn't get to pause it throughout the weekend. They allowed the audit to go forward through this time. And then finally on Sunday, they got the judge recused. And I imagine we're going to see a lot of problems like this. Now, right now, Donald Trump is out releasing statements, as he does, uh, this time about Governor Doug Ducey in Arizona, who Donald Trump believes is failing to protect this process. He writes, Governor Doug Ducey of Arizona, one of the worst governors in America and the second worst Republican governor in America, is refusing to provide security for the American patriots who are hand counting the rigged 2020 Arizona election ballots. Now, that's bad. Ducey should be doing whatever he can to protect this process, and the Senate should be doing it as well. But Doug Ducey allowing this to go unprotected is really really horrible. Like Ducey's caught. He understands that. But now he's doing whatever he can to save his own ass and the process. If something were to happen with Antifa or someone else getting in and disrupting this counting process, they can claim that they have spoiled the legitimacy of the process and now no real result can ever be determined. That's the case they want. They believe that's the worst case scenario. And from a legal standpoint, maybe it is. I don't know how that would be treated. From a PR standpoint, I don't think that's going to help them because most of the country will realize that that was an attack on the democratic process. Most of the country is not going to look at this audit and think, oh, that's totally out of bounds. The elections should be available to be reviewed in public every single election. The idea that somehow this stuff all gets done behind closed doors and we're just given a winner and we have to believe whatever they say. That's crazy. There have already been elections overturned as the one was in Antrim County. New Hampshire has a review going on right now. There are processes all over the country that still have to play out. They're going to go after this one and attack this one and try to stop this one. I don't think it's going to work. But the idea that these people can't be protected while they're already under threat for volunteering to serve their country in this way, it's disgusting. Just give them the resources they need to protect the audit. And when people think that it's conspiratorial or something to suggest compromise by some higher authority above Doug Ducey. I have a hard time understanding what they're not getting. Doug Ducey is clearly not serving the people of Arizona, and he knows that he's not serving the Republican Party, and he knows that. So why in the world would he be doing what he's doing? 
All that's left is corruption and compromise. If it was something else, he could simply come out and explain it and say, you know, President Trump and I have a difference in opinion here. I actually think this is the right way to do it. But he's not doing that. He's just leaving the process open to attack so that people like Rachel Maddow can come on the air and say that everything is all corrupt and conspiracy theorists and there's these crimes happening and now we can never believe their result. Of course, that's what's going to happen. But I'll say now what I've said the entire time. The truth is coming out. You can't stop it. They can try all these things. It's not going to work. If it was going to work, it would have already worked. Here we are six months later and no one has given up. If they had power, if they had control, we wouldn't be talking about this anymore. We just wouldn't be. The country would have sucked it up, said, eh, I think that's bullshit. And then they would have moved on. That was their plan. You got to understand that, right? They wanted to reach that finish line on January 20th. And they figured even if it lasted up till then, at that point, it would be over. But it wasn't. And they knew it. And so they tried to impeach President Trump, who was, quote unquote, not president anymore. And one of the problems with people like Rachel Maddow is that she actually thinks everyone else is as stupid as she describes them. So she doesn't realize that she's putting millions more eyes on this process. She could have just skipped it and her communist followers probably would have never even known this audit was happening. But too late for that now. She's already freaked them all out. And yes, they're going to go around calling everything a conspiracy and thinking that everything is just going to be fine and that they just need to protect themselves from QAnons. But eventually they'll realize that's not true. And the Arizona audit is actually happening. And here's an update from OAN. Ballot counters are working hard in Arizona to snuff out voting irregularities in last year's presidential election and fight off Democrat attempts to derail them. On Sunday, forensic experts confirmed they are examining thousands of ballots cast in November as part of the audit in the Grand Canyon state. They are using ultraviolet lights to search for ballot watermarks and weed out phony ballots. Additionally, auditors have been split into several groups, with some examining mail-in ballots and others inspecting ballot folders envelopes, along with other related items. Officials said evidence of systemic fraud has already started to show. Democrat Party officials have tried to challenge the audit in court, and they are deploying their operatives in the mainstream media in an attempt to downplay the severity of election fraud, as well as discredit Republican challenges to election security. Yes, basically what I just said. But that's, you got that right there? Evidence of systemic Fraud has already started to show, okay? Even with this new judge in place, the process that he has now put in place is going to take at least this week and perhaps up to 10 days. By that time, they're already going to be well into this audit. They will have solid, indisputable information on the record. And perhaps Mark Elias and Perkins Coie have some way of legally shutting this down by appealing to higher and higher authorities of fraudulent behavior. But otherwise, it is what it is. Everyone in the world knows that Joe Biden didn't get 81 million votes. And by the way, all these communists in America still thinking that Joe Biden is a legitimate president it's strange that these are the same people who always imagine that they're going to go around impressing the world's Europeans. Like, oh, I bet those French people will think I'm very refined. <laughs> no, they won't, commie. You listen to Cardi B and your life is about acquiring Christian Louboutins and Louis Vuitton. They're not impressed. And what's worse they all know that our election was a fraud, too. Sooner or later, the truth comes out. They cannot stop it. Nothing can stop 
what is coming. Now, wonderful work again from Natalie Winters in the National Pulse, uncovering American scientists at Anthony Fauci's NIAID attending Wuhan lab summits with communist China and then hiding it. Fauci's NIAID scientists attended Wuhan lab summit now wiped from the internet. April 26, 2021, the wonderful Natalie Winters. In addition to funding research groups collaborating with the Wuhan Institute of Virology, Dr. Anthony Fauci also provided National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases researchers attendance at a conference sponsored by the lab believed by many to be the source of COVID-19. The 2016 Conference on Viral Infection and Immune Response, hosted by the Nature Science Journal, has been scrubbed from the publication's website, but the National Pulse has located archived versions of the site. We also saved the Wuhan Institute of Virology's press release. Two researchers from Dr. Fauci's NIAID were in attendance at the 2016 event, which discussed emerging viral diseases, infections, and antiviral immunity, all critical to the COVID-19 response. Dr. Fauci has served as director of the Institute since 1984 and remains the highest paid U.S. government employee, despite a bevy of false prognostications and outright lies. At the time of the conference, attendee Kanta Subarao, I'm just trying, served as chief of the NIAID's emerging respiratory viruses section. And Nancy Sullivan served as chief of the biodefense research section at the NIAID's vaccine research center. Sullivan still serves under Fauci while Subarao departed the agency to become director of the WHO's Collaborating Center for Reference and Research on Influenza. Isn't that amazing? The October press conference contained six sessions, epidemiology of emerging viral disease, persistent viral infection and immune dysregulation, viral pathogenesis, immune intervention and prevention of disease, innate antiviral immunity, and induction of systemic adaptive immunity. Among its organizers and speakers were several researchers from the Chinese Communist Party institutions, including the current director of the Chinese CDC and Wuhan Institute of Virology Director General. The Wuhan Institute of Virology also has a close relationship with the Chinese Communist Party, signing agreements for, quote, all-around cooperation with Chinese Communist Party city-level governments. Researchers have also been granted awards from the Chinese Communist Party's Youth League and the State Council. The lab has also televised the National Congress of the Chinese Communist Party. A Wuhan Institute of Virology press release recounts. During watching of live broadcast, the conference hall was in perfect order. Everyone's listening carefully to work report by General Secretary Hu Jintao and keeping notes attentively. The atmosphere was charged with excitement and the room was resounded with waves of applause. Now that is some communist bullshit. You got it? Like that's how communists advertise other communists and propagandize the world. They say that everybody was really enthralled with these brilliant speeches. So emotional, so informative. You might recognize that sort of reporting from our own American media when they report on Joe Biden's speeches about George Floyd, for instance. The conference follows reports revealing that Fauci's NIH sent millions of U.S. taxpayer dollars to fund research carried out by EcoHealth Alliance. That's Peter Daszak, the U.S. partner of the Wuhan Institute of Virology. The NIAID funded six separate grants totaling nearly $3.75 million focusing on understanding the risk of bat coronavirus emergence in China. And you can see how that picture is still coming together piece by piece by piece. The entire puzzle is getting put together. And that is going to be very bad for Anthony Fauci. Should we bet on how long he has left before the majority of people know that he is basically nothing more than a Nazi doctor and complete quack liar, one of the most immoral people to ever walk the earth? I say he's got mm, two weeks. Now, I forgot to say this at the beginning, but I put up a video today on YouTube and Rumble. If you search, I'm your moderator for either. You should be able to find it on either of those two platforms. It's also available in the info stream on Telegram. But I put up a video where I actually asked all the questions that should be asked of Anthony Fauci that he never gets asked by the media or even when he's 
in congressional hearings. I mean, Jim Jordan does a heavy lift for that committee, but it isn't enough. And no matter what you're able to do in a few five minute long series of questions, you're never going to be able to get through the whole thing. So, I mean, I commend and applaud Jim Jordan and Steve Scalise and Rand Paul and whoever is really taking the battle to Anthony Fauci. But this is more comprehensive. So check the video out, share it where you can, because people need to know that these are the sorts of questions Anthony Fauci can't answer. And the truth is that most of your friends can't answer them as well. And so commies will not know what to do with this. They'll pretend it's all a conspiracy theory. If they want to pretend that, that's just fine. Tell them to go ahead and look it up whenever they think that something is just not true. Now, there was another great mask study that came out this weekend in the International Journal of Environmental Research and Public Health. The title of the study is called, Is a Mask That Covers the Mouth and Nose Free from Undesirable Side Effects in Everyday Use and Free of Potential Hazards? And you can guess what the answer is. It's no. Masks are actually really dangerous and don't do anything. Now, this study is way more thorough than the one I put out last week that appears on the NIH's website uh, from a researcher from Stanford. And, you know, of course, the Associated Press tried to do a debunking of that study and they were like well people can submit stuff to the nih that the nih hasn't actually approved Uh, okay like that guy's not at the university of stanford well no he's not a stanford employee but he did this work at stanford (laughs) in conjunction with stanford what else you got oh this claim this claim this claim have been thoroughly debunked before well no again (laughs) Associated Press debunkings do not carry the same weight as clinical studies and meta-analyses like the ones presented here. And again, there is no actual legitimate study in the world that shows a benefit to masking, okay? Even the CDC study that came out like uh, a month and a half ago, they tried to say that there was a benefit to mask mandates, and that's not true. They did find a, a difference that would indicate on their side that it was a positive difference, but it was only there because the test was flawed and the amount of difference was statistically insignificant, okay? They should spend more time debunking these studies that are being used to limit Americans' civil liberties with absolute nonsense. Now, I don't want to take the time to read all the conclusions of this study. The study is up in the info stream from yesterday, Go check that out. If you can't find it, ask me and I'll show you exactly where it is. Uh, But that's it. So I will be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work and never have. Any idea that they even could is among the dumbest ideas we have ever embraced as a society. And Joe Biden will never be president. (laughs) Also, another very dumb idea to be embraced by a society. Goodbye. Whether you're a total newbie to podcasting, or even if you've had a show before like me, you know how intimidating it can be to start your show. The tech side especially can be daunting. That's why I'm so grateful Anchor exists. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. They knock down all the barriers to entry. Let me explain. First off, it's free. I don't know how or why, but I'm happy about it. The platform's great. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. I can't even begin to describe how much easier it was to get my show on all the major platforms this time than it was a few years ago. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's right. You build your show, you make money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place, and the company is committed to the success of its content creators. Go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started.
Thanks for listening. Please follow the podcast on Instagram and Parler at I'm Your Moderator. Soon I'll be up on Rumble with a video aspect. In the meantime, if you'd like to support the show, I have a Substack, I'm Your Moderator.substack.com, where you can donate, or you can donate at anchor.fm by searching Be Reasonable with your moderator, Chris Paul. I hope to see you soon. Back out on the rain. Backing as moderator for tonight's broadcast. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm Your Moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm Your Moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!